listening to the You Flourish Church Podcast, a gospel-centered, multi-ethnic church from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, dedicated to helping you flourish in your faith. For more information about our mission and how you can get involved, please visit www.youflourishchurch.org. Good morning. Welcome to You Flourish Church. My name is Kurt. I serve as one of the pastors here at You Flourish Church and excited to see so many Wonderful faces in the building on this morning, and Merry Christmas uh, to everyone, and I pray that it was a blessed Christmas. Uh, you know, uh, as, as I was putting the sermon together, I was thinking back uh, to a moment in time when I was a kid, and uh, we had the basketball courts right across the street from my house, and so I remember I was making my way outside to go to the basketball courts across the street, and as I was leaving out, the Kirby vacuum cleaner salesman was coming to the door. And, and so I just run back in. I'm like, Mama, whatever you do, do not buy a vacuum cleaner from this man. She's like, I, I ain't thinking about that man. I ain't buying no uh, Kirby vacuum cleaner. And I, and I go out and I, I go and I play basketball. And, and I come back in about an hour and a half later. And there she is signing the paperwork. I'm like, Mama, what are you doing? What are you doing? And she's like, ah, oh, did you see how much dirt this thing picked up? And this man had a bunch of dirt, and he's picking up steel balls with the Kirby vacuum cleaner. I'm like, no, Mom, we had a deal. You was not supposed to buy this Kirby vacuum cleaner. But somehow, some way, he convinced her that she needed this Kirby vacuum cleaner. That sales man, you know, he got my mother to finance a $2,700 vacuum cleaner. Yeah. <laughs> because he convinced her that something was missing in her life. In other words, he convinced her that she had a problem that only Kirby could fix. Similarly, in Acts 28, Paul seeks to convince his audience of a problem that only Jesus could fix. There's going to be three points that we're going to see in this passage today, and that is Paul, he speaks to the hope of Israel Uh, Two is Paul, he seeks to convince them about Jesus. And three, Paul proclaims salvation has come to the Gentiles. And so we're going to begin by unpacking that first point. Paul speaks to the hope of Israel. If your Bibles are open, uh, we're going to pick up today in Acts 28, uh, beginning in the 17th verse. But before we go there, may we go to the Lord in prayer. Um, God, you are good. Uh, We love you. Uh, We thank you for your mercy, for your grace, for your love, for your kindness. God, I pray above all that you would speak. And God, I pray that you will anoint our ears to hear everything that it is that you would speak. And God, I pray that you will anoint our hearts to apply everything that you speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, picking up in Acts 28, beginning in the 17th verse, and it reads... Uh, After three days, he called together the local leaders of the Jews, and, and when they had gathered, he said to them, Brothers, though I had done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. When they had examined me, they wished to set me at liberty because there was no reason for the death penalty in my case. But because the Jews objected, objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, though I had no charge to bring against my nation. 
For this reason, therefore, I have asked to see you and speak with you, since it is because of the hope of Israel that I am wearing this chain. And they said to him, we have received no letters from Judea about you. And none of the brothers coming here has reported or spoken any evil about you. But we desire to hear from you what your views are. For with regard to this sect, we know that everywhere it is spoken against. Uh, if you're following along, I want to bring to your attention in, in verse uh, number 20 and highlight, it is because of the hope of Israel that I'm wearing uh, this chain. Uh, may the Lord add a blessing to the hearers and doers of his word. Now, here we see Paul, he calls together the local leaders of the Jews and presents the details of his case. And, and, and notice that uh, now that Paul has finally made it to Rome, the first people that he wants to speak to is the Jews. And what I find interesting is Paul, he never gave up on trying to win his own people. He never gave up, even though many rejected him, even though some had tried to stone him, even though many had wanted him dead, he never gave up on trying to win his own people. And here, Paul, he followed his consistent practice of wherever he went, in every city, he went to the Jews first. And in verse 17, he proclaims that, that he was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem to the Romans despite the fact that he had done nothing, nothing against his people, nor had he done anything against the customs of old. And, and, and so here is Paul, he's, he's making his case. And in, and in verse 18, Paul says, when they examined me, he said, they sought to set me free as there was no reason for a death penalty. And so what we find up to this point you know, Paul has been in chains since chapter 21, and here we are in chapters 28, and Paul is still in chains. He's had court case after court case, and every time he's had a court case, they have found absolutely nothing deserving of death. They found nothing deserving of punishment. And Paul said, at one point, they even desired to set me free, he says, but the Jews objected for me being free. And so Paul, he, he's laying this, this case out. And, and, and in verse 19, he says, but because the Jews objected again, he says, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar. And he says, though I had no charge against my own nation. He said, because they objected to what was going on. And, and, and so what we find is, though Paul could have been free, he wasn't set free because of this appeal to Caesar. And what we find is throughout this whole process, we see that this, this prophecy that Paul would speak to rulers and kings, we just continue to see this continuing to happen every step of the way. He's speaking to governors. He's speaking to rulers. And, and, and what we find now is that he's going to have an opportunity to speak to Caesar, though Acts don't end that way. We never actually get an opportunity to see him speaking to, to, to Caesar, but what we find is this, this process just continues to move on. But what we find is it's in verse 20. And he says, for this reason, he says, I ask to speak to you. And what he's saying, he's saying it is because of the hope of Israel that I'm in these chains 
And here's the thing where he's now actually able to tap into this whole concept and, and mindset of his people because Paul, he never proclaimed to be something other than a Jew. He wanted to point them back to the very thing that they had always hoped for in their belief system. They had always hoped for a Messiah. They had always hoped that one would come that would, would set them free. They had always hoped for it. And, and Paul is saying for the very thing that it is that, that our people has hoped for, I sit in these chains. You know, no, it's, it's, it's a really interesting thing when you find yourself being persecuted for operating in the thing that you place your, your faith in. It's, it's amazing when you find yourself persecuted for the very thing that, that, you, that, 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 that your faith and that your hope is in. And this is what Paul is saying. He says that this hope of Israel, and, and, and as we celebrate the Christmas season, uh, we, we celebrate that the death of God as a man and humanity came to the earth. Oh, y'all still waiting on what Paul is saying, man, he's... He's been here and he's, he's done some amazing things. He says, it's not a foreign religion. What I'm speaking of is the very thing that we've waited on and that was prophesied. And here it is that I'm speaking of. And I'm just here to tell you that there's something to be said about having hope in something that's greater than you. You might find yourself in a place, in a situation, in a circumstance where, where mama can't help you. There may be times where you find yourself in a situation, in a circumstance where your bank account can't help you. There will be times where the doctor can't help you. But there's something to be said about this hope of Israel that Paul is speaking of. And he's saying it is because of this hope of Israel that, that I am in chains and, and, and he's sure to let them know that, again, this is not some new religion. He never denied the Jewish faith, but he points to the very thing that the Jews had had their hope in. And it's an interesting thing that when your hope can be staring you right in the face and you don't recognize it. It's an interesting thing when your hope can be staring you right in the face and instead, you crucify it. Because it don't look the way you imagine. No, this ain't the way that God going to save me. No, this ain't, no, no, God will never work like this. Like, like, but, but, but here it was, they studied. They had a, a, a theological belief system of who he was, and, and yet they, they missed it. And so, and so what we find, I, I, I think the thing that, that made this a really tough sell for the Jews was that they were still under bondage to the Romans. And let, let's just speak to this a little bit because, again, sometimes we imagine how God is going to work out the situation or the circumstance. We, we, we imagine it in our own mind. And if it doesn't look the way that we imagine it, sometimes we miss God. And, and, and for the Jews... In all, in all honesty and, and, and fairness to the Jews, their mindset of the hope of Israel meant that they would no longer be in bondage to the Romans. 
So in their mind, it's like no way that Jesus could have came because we're still in bondage to the Romans. And, and here's the thing, like sometimes we can read the word of God and we decipher exactly what that means. But when he says that he's coming back and he sets them free from bondage, does it necessarily mean a human bondage? Or does he set us free from our sin and shame? See, they're missing out on a bigger picture because they're looking at their earthly circumstance. Sometimes we get so caught up in what we see in our earthly circumstance that we miss out on what God is doing in the spiritual. And, 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 and so they missed out because they're looking at their circumstances and their circumstances, as they look in, in their earthly situation, it don't look like a Messiah has come. It was difficult for the Jews to see this hope of Israel in their current circumstance. Subsequently, in verse 21, they respond saying that we've never received any letters or we've never heard anybody that, that, that spoke evil against you. And, and, and so what they appear that they're at least willing to hear what Paul has to say which was a little bit different than some of his previous audiences. And at this stage, they're willing to entertain what Paul has to say about this hope of Israel. In, in verse 22, it says, they, they, they respond saying, we desire to hear from you. We want, we want to know what your views are. And I always say, I, I love talking about the, uh, mentioning the Berean people. Because these were people, they said they were Jews were more noble than all others because they were willing to listen to everything that Paul had to say. They didn't argue, they didn't fuss, they didn't have theological arguments with him. It says they listened intently to what he had to say. It says, then they went home. It says, and they searched the scriptures to see if what he was saying was true. Ladies and gentlemen, that is exactly what I encourage each and every believer, that you've got a responsibility. Don't take my word for it. Don't take Pastor Ronaldo's word for it. I challenge you to go home and search the scriptures to see if what is being said is true. And so what they are at this place, even though Paul is preaching a message that sounds different than what they had always heard, they said we're willing to hear. They said that we desire to hear what you have to say. And ladies and gentlemen, I always like to put myself in this place because I don't want to miss truth. You know, sometimes we can get so caught up and so focused on being right that we lose our opportunity to gain truth because we and, and, and for me like I don't have to be right but Lord I want to know the truth and what we see right now is these these, these Jews that they're willing to at least open themselves up to receive some truth interestingly they wanted to hear from Paul knowing that Christianity had been spoken against everywhere. They said it. They said even though this sect has been spoken against everywhere. It's like everywhere we went. Now here's Paul coming with this, this, this message. And he said everywhere we went we've heard nothing but bad things about what you're getting ready to speak to us. But yet we're opening ourselves up to be able to hear because we don't want to miss truth. And despite this knowledge of what everyone else was saying, they opened themselves up to the possibility of truth. Not only do we see that Paul speaks 
to the hope of Israel. The second point we're going to see that Paul, he seeks to convince them about Jesus. Let's pick up in verse 23. Look at what it says in verse 23. It says, when they had appointed a day for him, they came to him at his lodging, lodging in great numbers. From morning to evening, he expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. And some were convinced by what he said, but others disbelieved. And disagreeing among themselves, they departed after Paul had made one, one statement. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers through Isaiah the prophet, go to this people and say, you will indeed hear but never understand, and you will indeed see but never perceive. This people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear. In their eyes they have clothes, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart in turn, and I would heal them. Again, may the Lord add a blessing to the hearers and doers of his word. In verse 23, I want to bring to your attention and have you highlight from morning to evening, he expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus. Uh, here, Paul is he's essentially given the green light to testify about Jesus uh, freely before even greater numbers. It said, it said even greater numbers came to him uh, to, to hear him speak. In fact, in verse 23, it says from, from morning to, 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 to dawn that, that he expounded and testified to the kingdom of God trying to convince them about Jesus. And, and, and I, just, I, just, I just love this. I love this language. It says that, he, that he's trying to convince them about Jesus. You know, here's something that I, you know, I was trying to convince somebody about Jesus the other day. Uh, er, er, you know, every time I, I love taking everything that I do and every opportunity is an opportunity to allow Christ to be revealed. And, and, and I see that whether it's playing basketball at the Y, whether it's getting my hair cut, here's uh, just opportunities that I get all the time to be able to speak into the lives of other people. Now, I remember speaking to my barber, and he's like, man, I, you know, I just don't know if I, can, I trust this, this Bible thing. He said, man, I believe in some of the things, but I just don't know about all this. I really don't. Like, man, I don't believe that a fish swallowed a man. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that could, that could be pretty. He said, unless I've seen it. And I said, well, you know what? You probably wouldn't believe that, that a sun would rise and the whole world could see the sun rise when it rises in a particular place unless you see it. That's, that's a pretty difficult thing. You probably wouldn't believe the stars being set in the sky and, and people could see them from, from all over the world unless you see it. But because you see it, you don't count that as a miracle. Now, imagine if it wasn't the sun. Imagine if what we've seen every day was a whale eating a man. Then you'd be saying, man, I don't believe that a sun could be risen. Like I said, when we're talking about convincing people of Jesus, there's nothing more greater than a personal relationship and allowing people to see what actually lives down on the inside of you. I think it's really important. This is why I don't wait to invite people to church to introduce them to Jesus. I don't, I don't wait to, to, to bring people in here for them to meet Jesus because if Jesus is in here, if he lives in here, then the people in your life should be meeting Jesus every single day. And let me say this, it's not based off of our speech. I don't go everywhere. I don't march everywhere I go with a Bible. I, I don't, actually, I don't take my Bible nowhere. 
But, but let me just tell you, I understand that Jesus lives with me each and every single day. And the greatest opportunity that we have to convince people about Jesus is by allowing him to be seen in our lives, in our every, everyday lives. And, and so this is, this is where Paul was at. So he expounded. He said, said, said from morning to dawn, talking about the kingdom and, and, and trying to convince them about, about Jesus and, and what stands out is Paul's use of what's written to convince people about Jesus. He didn't use his own words. It was important that that he was able to to use what was written that they knew and that they understood. He He used both the law of Moses and the prophets to convince them of Jesus. And he often quoted the prophet Isaiah. And I would imagine Isaiah... 9 and 6 would have, would have shown up. And in Isaiah 9 and 6, it says, For unto us a child is born, to us is get, a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. When you begin to start thinking about that what was born to us, that what was given to us is every single thing that we need. And so, uh, as, as the prophet Isaiah, as he prophesies this, if he's spoken to this, I could imagine Paul pointing back to it and saying, that hope of Israel, we've experienced that hope of Israel. And, and Paul could speak to it from a place of experience because Paul was one who persecuted those who believed and the hope of Israel. You got to understand. So Paul is not just speaking of what he heard. Paul actually experienced Jesus on the road to Damascus. And, and, and so Paul knows without a shadow of a doubt that what Isaiah prophesied was something that was experienced because he himself had experienced Jesus. And ladies and gentlemen, there's nothing greater, there's nothing more powerful that I would encourage each and every one of you have an encounter with Jesus because I can assure you that once you have an encounter with Jesus, your life will never be the same again. And this is what Paul was able to speak to. So, so he, he's, he's able to teach from the law of Moses. He's, he's teaching from the prophet of Isaiah. In verse 24, Luke says, some of the Jews were convinced by what Paul had to say, and it says others disbelieved. As Paul went and he's speaking all day, it says some were completely convinced of what he had to say, but there were was, there was some who did not necessarily believe. And, 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 and moving on to verse 25 and 26, here's the thing it says, and, and disagreeing among themselves, it says they departed after Paul made one statement. There was one thing that they really had a struggle with. And what was that statement? It says, the Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers through Isaiah the prophet. He says, go to this people and say, you will indeed hear, but never understand. And you will indeed see, but never perceive. They had a problem with this. And let me tell you why they had a problem with this. Because oftentimes we'll look at, at, at Scripture, and as long as the Scripture is talking about somebody else's sin... Like, we good. 
As, as long as the word of God is, is pointing at somebody else, we good. And, and, and every time the word of God speaks out and we know it and, and we embrace it, we never once consider that it might be referring to me. And this is where it got difficult for the Jews. Because as Paul reads this passage, they're thinking it's no way you could be talking to us. Some of us are some of the experts of the law. Some of us know this word better than anybody. It can't be us. How could you say we can't understand that that we can't see and, and all of these things? And I want you to understand this is the dangerous place of being in a place where we're no longer students. When we figure that we've we, we understood it all. We understand it all. We, we, we have it all. We got great understanding. It's those other people that need to understand the scriptures a little bit better. Ladies and gentlemen, I think it's important that we at all times make ourselves a student of the word of God. And so, and so, so they, 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 struggled, they struggled with this. And, and, and here's the reason. In verse 27, he says, For this people's heart has grown dull, and their ears, they, they can barely hear, and their eyes, they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would, I would heal them. Those departing, again, they may have frowned at, at Scripture they believe was directed at others. And I'm reminded of, of David, the story of David and how, uh, you know, he took Bathsheba to be his wife and he killed her husband. And then the prophet Nathan comes to David, says, David, you know, there's a story about this rich man. There's a story about this poor man, this rich man. He had all the cattle in the world. He had everything. And this poor man, all he had was a little ewe lamb. Say so he slept with him. He, 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 he was a family pet. They loved him. They, they cared for him. And he says, when it was time for a feast, he said, the rich man, he went to the poor man and he took his little ewe lamb and he cooked them for a feast. And David got angry. He got angry and David told Nathan, he says, that man, that man should surely die. And the prophet Nathan says, David, that man is you. And ladies and gentlemen, isn't it amazing how when we hear the scripture and we think it's directed at somebody else, <laughs> we're ready for judgment, fire, and brimstone. But when we realize that it's staring us right in the face, and I want you to understand that the word of God, it is a mirror for you. It's not a device for you to use to beat up your wife. It's not a device for you to use to beat up your husband. It's not a device for you to use. It is for you. And this is the greatest way of convincing people about Jesus is because it challenges, challenges our ways. It challenges our comforts. It challenges our thoughts. And the interesting thing was to convince them of Jesus they first had to be convinced that they had a problem. Ladies and gentlemen, to convince anyone of Jesus, we first must be convinced that we have a problem. And, and, and this is the thing. Jesus like, man, I, if, they, if, if they got their hearts right, he says, I will heal them. 
I will cause them to turn. And, and, and even the prophet Ezekiel, he says, you know, I will put my spirit in them. He said, I'm going to take away their heart of stone. I'm going to give them a heart of flesh. And he said, I'm going to put my spirit in them that will cause them to walk in my ways. But ladies and gentlemen, we've got to be at a place where we realize there is a problem. As that Kirby vacuum cleaner salesman convinced my mother to buy a $2,700 vacuum cleaner because of the dirt that she was able to see in our carpet. I'm here to tell you, like, I just want to convince a few people of Jesus because of the dirt that may exist in our lives. Like, we can't clean it up ourselves, and it's the reason why unto us a son was given. And, and, and the last point that we're going to uh, see in this passage is Paul, he proclaims salvation has come to the Gentiles. Let's pick up in verse 28. Look at what it says. It says, therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. He lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. If you're following along in verse 28, I want you to highlight, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. Why is this good news? It's good news because, ladies and gentlemen, we can be counted as those that are a part of the Gentile nation. Now, here Paul, he sharply transitions using the term, therefore, meaning as a result of. Essentially, in verse 28, Paul is saying, as a result of the Jews' refusal to hear, see, understand, or listen, let it be known to you. This salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. And again, he goes on to say that they will listen. And probably, so, so the day that Jesus was born, ladies and gentlemen, this is a beautiful thing. The day that Jesus was born, salvation had made its way. Not just for the chosen, but for those who would also be grafted in. And, and in other words, as a result of God's chosen rejecting Jesus, salvation was now made available to all people. And I I want you to understand this. It it was never uh, meant that the Jews would not have salvation. They still have an opportunity for salvation. It just meant that others would be included in. And and I'm so glad today that that I could be counted among the others that that, that were grafted in. And, 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 And it's fascinating what we find here is that the end of Acts proclaimed the same message that can be found in the early parts of Luke. And because and I know normally people will say, you know, Acts, it, end, it ends kind of weird. It's, you know, we want to hear, hear exactly what happened to Paul, but you ain't going to hear about exactly what happens to Paul because Acts is not about Paul. Acts is about the Holy Spirit. Acts is about the, the Holy Spirit at, at, at work. And, and, and so what we find, again, is that the same message that's being proclaimed at the end of Acts, we find in the early parts of Luke. In, in Luke 2, beginning in the 10th verse, uh, it says, And the angel said to them, Fear not, behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is... Christ the Lord. Ladies and gentlemen, as, as, as Jesus is, 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 is born and the, the angel comes and he speaks uh, to the shepherds, 
what the shepherds hear that day is that a son is born for all people. It's interesting. And what we find Paul is saying at the end of Acts is he's saying that salvation has come <laughs> to the Gentiles, which means every, everyone else. Subsequently, I would normally move to verse 29. I just got to throw this out there, but the ESV erased verse 29. So I added it back in from the King James Version. The ESV, you know, you got to be very careful. You got to have your King James Version in the ESV. Uh, but but in, in, in verse 29, it, it says, And when he had said these words, the Jews departed and had great reasoning among themselves. And in verse 30 and 31 is, is, is where the book of Acts, it closes. What we find, what happened to Paul? It says, Paul, he lives in Rome for two years at his own expense. And, uh, you know, and he says he welcomes all that came to him. Uh, and, and in verse 31 it says, Paul proclaimed the kingdom, teaching about Jesus with boldness and without hindrance. And, and, and though many would say, Acts don't end right. That's the end of Acts. People say, it don't end right, it don't end right. And I say, it ends perfectly fine. And the reason why I say it ends perfectly fine is because we find Paul doing exactly what we should be doing. It says that he, what it says, it says teaching about Jesus with boldness and without hindrance. He refused to allow anything to hinder the message of Jesus. And, 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 and if you're here today, I, I pray that you would see your life as a living sacrifice and that you would allow your life to be exemplary of the salvation that Christ has given each and every one of us. It's simple. It's a simple concept. Romans 10 and 9 says, For if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead, you shall be saved. And the reason that that was made possible was not just that he was born, that God was born a man, but a man would go to the cross for the sins of the world and that there was no sin in him, that, that he had every opportunity to, to, to fail and to, 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 to go through some of the things that we go through, but instead that he stayed on the cross because the sins of the world had to be paid for. For the sins of the Gentiles had to be paid for and we were able to be grafted in because not only did he die, but he got back up. And because he got back up and defeated death, ladies and gentlemen, we now have Christ as our Savior. And so as Paul ended Acts, preaching Christ with boldness and without hindrance, my challenge to you as you leave this place is with your life be a reflection of Christ in boldness and without hindrance. Let us pray. God, you are good. We love you, and we thank you for your mercy, for your grace, for your love, for your kindness. God, I pray right now, God, that as we leave this place, God, that you would allow your power, your might, God, to reveal itself in our lives, God. Father, that we will have the opportunity to impact others, God, by the ways in which we live. God, we, we honor you. We give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen.